hello and welcome to the Sweet Tea Series. My name is Ariana Silva. Um, in this series, we like to talk about women who became the change that they want to see in the world and have a pop culture twist while we're at it. And today we're really getting into that twist. Um, I would like to welcome to the show my guest, Chance Weldon. I can't help but notice that you're not a woman. <laughs> yeah, so, I, so I've been told. So I've been told. <laughs> But what we're talking about today, um, getting into that pop culture twist I was mentioning, is the Star Wars TV show Ahsoka that just aired its last episode. Um, and unlike a lot of Disney TV shows that tend to be very woke and just don't lack the family values, I think that this got back to the original um, Star Wars themes that we're, that we're used to seeing and that you and I both know and love. So that's what we're going to get into today. Um but before we do, Chance, let's hear a little bit about you. So far, what we know is your your name is Chance. <laughs> you work here at the yeah, foundation. You 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 brought a you brought a dude on to talk about Star Wars, which <laughs> is very on brand. No, um, I'm the director of litigation here at the foundation, which means that I sue the the government for a living, the federal government, this uh, the local government um, that violate people's constitutional rights. So, are you the reason that we keep the government from becoming the empire? I try really, really hard. You know, I like to think of myself as fighting the empire on a daily basis. Um, but yeah, that's what I do here at the foundation. But today, we're not going to have your legal expertise really be the the focus of it. But your Star Wars expertise um, is what we're going to be mm -hmm. really use, utilizing today. Um, so what we're like diving into the Ahsoka series. Uh, you, What was your audience reaction, I guess, versus, with your first watch through? Well, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. I thought it's very well shot. It's a beautiful film, uh, beautiful series. Mm -hmm. um, it looks better than a lot of the Star Wars stuff that we've seen in a while. But I think more than anything is the character development. I think that what you see in Ahsoka is characters that have arcs, characters that have motivations, uh, characters that have struggle, and an emphasis on family, which is what Star Wars was always supposed to be about from the very beginning. And we're going to definitely be okay with getting into the nitty gritty, weird, nerdier stuff, because I feel like if you're watching an episode about Star Wars, it's okay to have, to need some background with that. Um, one of the things that I didn't really notice until kind of towards the end of the series was that there were lots of women characters, mm -hmm. but it wasn't being shoved down your throat in the same way I think the sequels tried to do that. And a lot of more, more modern Disney products really try to say like, this is a female character. You have to like them because they're female. But this series didn't really do that. So what what was it that you liked about the characters? They they just seem like real characters. I think that I think you nailed it when you were talking about that you don't notice almost that through the first two episodes, I think almost every character of significance is female. And it wasn't yeah. until someone brought it up to me that I even noticed because they're actually well written characters. Right. And I think that, you know, Star Wars fandom and Star Wars nerddom or whatever, we get a lot of grief for for perhaps not liking some of the female characters in the sequel trilogy, but that's just because they were bad characters. You know, they just weren't well written. Whereas here, whether it be Hera or Sabine or Ahsoka, you have characters that actually have motivation and character arc and they're well acted and well played. And, and you never get that. You never lose that suspension of disbelief that someone's trying to force that on you. At right. Any point. And but they weren't the only good characters in it, too. One thing that I think um, what you saw in the sequels was in order to make Rey look really awesome, which they made her perfect to begin with, which didn't really work well, but they made all of the guys around her bad at what they were doing, or especially like the original people or the original characters yeah. who you came to know and love just turned into like bumbling idiots instead. But in this one, all of the people are competent. 
which I think is something that you actually want to see is people who are competent or working towards something. So like, um, or even like the bad guys, like Balin was super strong character. His apprentice, um, Shin, right? What's her name? Yeah, she she stood out as another one that um, they all just had desires and things that they were working for in a way that made sense. Yeah, do, do we need like a spoilers warning at some point? Um, I think we're going to have to. So spoiler, don't keep watching until you go watch Ahsoka. But I think it was worth watching. It's only eight episodes. It's it's pretty short. Right. It's very well done. It's well paced. But I think you're, to your point, yeah, I mean, even the villain, some of the most interesting characters in the show, as you said, are Balin and Shin, his apprentice, mm-hmm. and their interaction. You see their character growth. And I think to, to the other point that you made is, you know, Ahsoka throughout, she fights Balin, who's the big bad through throughout the first part of the series. And she doesn't have to overpower Balin or be better about to to win or to, to move the plot along. She actually has to struggle. She actually has to grow. You see that with Sabine as well. Like Sabine makes bad choices and those bad choices have consequences that allow her to move along as a character. I think that's what was really absent from the sequel trilogy that you're seeing here in the Ahsoka, Ahsoka series. So let's talk about, I guess, the plot line of the the show that we watched what what were the points that um what worked in the show and then we can get into some of the areas we would have wanted instead so what worked i guess so i think uh what what the series does from the very beginning is does a really good job of showing and not telling you know so the first time you meet the two villains uh balin and uh shin his apprentice you know that they're pretending to be jedis and they look kind of like jedis um, but you don't have to have someone on screen go, oh, that's Balin Skull. He's a, a dangerous mercenary. <laughs> Within five seconds, you know that he didn't want to hurt the people on that on that plane, but then he does. And they take down the entire Star Destroyer. So within five minutes, you know that these people are bad news without them ever having to tell you about it. And I think that right. was a really cool way to open the series. I think it calls back to the entrance of Darth Vader, right? The first time you see Darth Vader in A New Hope, it's storming into a bridge and you don't have to say that's a dangerous sith lord like you know he's legit because he's got the giant black cape and yeah we're we're watching a show you can show what (laughs) what it is versus having to have someone say it yeah and you see that and you see that you know even the first time that you're introduced to sabine now i had watched all the animated series stuff because i'm super which you do have to for this though yeah that that was and i i was okay with that fact like they're part of the star wars lore and i think that they're some of the best stories in star wars 2 come out of come out of the, the animated stuff. So I, I'm very okay with the fact that they chose to to use that. Yeah, it's like, it, it exposes how nerdy I am, but I think some of my favorite Star Wars mo- like moments are actually from the animated series. So seeing those characters in live action were really cool. But um, but yeah, I mean, like within a few minutes of me- meeting Sabine, you get, they show you what her character's like, that she's rebellious, that she has, you know, doubts about, you know, whether she's done the right thing in other, in other scenarios. So you see that character developing. Um, and like I said, later on, you see her actually make mistakes and stuff. Um, but I, I thought all of that just in the first two episodes, it really lays out without having to give you a big, long opening crawl or really long explanation scenes. You're already into the action within just a few minutes. I think it also showed how big of a threat Balin was. So um, I guess in the originals, we do have Darth Vader make that entrance. But the Darth Vader scene it reminded me more of was in Rogue One at yeah. the very end with Darth Vader. And so whenever you establish a character, just pummel through these guys with mm-hmm. the same action lightsaber and just say, just right at the beginning, I feel like that shows a lot of this guy. Yeah, you know he's is, dangerous. You yes. know he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to tell me. Like, I can see it. And he carries himself. I think he's a great yes. actor. And I think that the the show also does a good job of 
um, even though it says like there's such a thing as bad, there's such a thing as good. It also shows like gradations of mm-hmm. of evil and where people stand and what what why, when they're wrong, how they have to come into redemption. But for him, he's not as threatening as his. There's a part of him that's threatening because he's physically powerful. He does those bad things. Yeah. But there's also the portion of him that makes you realize, oh, he thinks that he's not that bad of a guy. He thinks that he has some virtue to him. But his apprentice might be more threatening because she doesn't have those oh, questions. I think that's a really good point. So throughout all of Star Wars, one of the things that I've hated about more modern content is I think a lot of times to sometimes be subversive or maybe even sometimes be edgy. I know a lot of writers don't like they like to pretend that there's not a real good or a real bad. They want your heroes to also be bad or your your villains maybe are actually the good guy or maybe there is no truth. Star Wars doesn't work if that's right. the standard. The, the whole idea in Star Wars is that there is good and there is bad and there is good and there is evil. But all of your villains in Star Wars, with the exe- exe- exception of probably Palpatine, the emperor, right, who's just like pure evil. I mean, even Darth Vader thought that he was doing something good. Right. It was his attempt to save Padme or his attempt to like save his family right. that actually leads him down the path to the dark side. It's this idea that if you dabble in evil, like even just a little bit, it can be corrupting, even if you think you're doing it for the right reason. And I think you're right. You see that with Balin, who's the sort of big bad at the very beginning of the series that that he is not almost immediately you realize he has other motivations. He doesn't want to hurt people for its own sake. He thinks he's doing something good. Um, whereas, you know, his apprentice seems a little bit perhaps darker than he is. She comes from a darker place. Well, she had a red lightsaber too, right? As opposed to his orange, or was hers also orangey as well? I think they're both orange, but you know, I've but heard hers people is more, say that. It looks more red to me, especially next to his, but. Yeah, but I think it's really cool because I think it, it tells this story of he was, to give people who don't know, since we're just talking as if everyone's seen right, the fair. series, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, you know, at the beginning of the of the show, we know that he was once a Jedi. Um, And so he was raised with these views about good and evil and light and darkness. And for whatever reason, he became disenchanted with the order. Um, So, but he's been raising his apprentice without that background. He's all his apprentice has got is his disenchantment with the order. And as a result, she's far darker in a way that he even seems at times to be uncomfortable with. And it shows that corruption of evil. It doesn't stop with you. Right. It, it, it goes out from there and i think what what the show also does then is establish the threat of that happening to both sabine and ahsoka at the beginning but sabine especially later on so i we don't even know if she's regretted her decision to to go threaten the entire world to go potentially save ezra yeah i think that's again that calls back to the to the to the original prequel trilogy you know the way that anakin eventually becomes darth vader is he wanted to save someone that he loved Right. And the dark side tempts Sabine the same way that she has a chance to perhaps go find Ezra, which is her her old friend, which is goes back to this theme of family that Star Wars was always about mm-hmm. family. She she views Ezra as family. Um, but in order to do so, she has to give basically a weapon of enormous power to the bad guys um, to basically reintroduce the, the real, real big bad who is Admiral Thrawn in this series, for, for those who don't know, um, into the back into the galaxy in order for a chance to go save her friends. Um, and, you know, if she were a real sort of Mary Sue, someone who didn't have flaws, she would have never done this, right? But she potentially sacrifices the galaxy to go save her friend. Um, and you're right, it's, it is unclear whether or not she regrets it yet, but there's certainly consequences right. to that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it really, again, it just highlights the light, dark, and the original philosophy of what 
Star Wars was, I well, what we both think was intended to be. Yeah. Um, so those were the pieces we liked was like that character development. Um, and then what did you think about Ahsoka's character development from becoming what we on or what the internet now calls Ahsoka the White Ahsoka <laughs> and following the, White. The, the Lord of the Rings stuff. So Ahsoka is, I think at this point, maybe the most beloved character in Sky, like in Star Wars next to Luke Skywalker and maybe next to Darth Vader because Darth Vader's just cool. He you was know? my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. Not... I look, grew up loving both yeah. both all him and Anakin and then but wanting redemption for him, I guess. Right. In the, yeah, right. the originals. And so, and so like Ahsoka, you know, when you meet her in the animated series, she's this very annoying kid. You know, she's the Padawan of Luke Skywalker. She's super annoying. Um, people actually hated her. And by the end of Clone Wars and into Rebels, she's like everyone's favorite character because we've seen her progress and learn. She was uh, Anakin's Padawan at Anakin's Apprentice. And you see her just grow into a Jedi. Uh, but she has conflict, right? Because the Jedi Order betrays her. She has to leave. And that's where we find her now in the Ahsoka series, this sort of lone mercenary who doesn't quite believe in the Jedi ways, but she's trying to do right in the world. Um, and I just love her character. I love Hu Yang, her uh, robot, who is actually yes. a robot who was programmed during the Jedi period. So he keeps reminding her of what the right protocol is for stuff. So there's this great, you know, funny dynamic between them too. Um, but I will say just as a side note, I think Hu Yang in a lot of ways makes Ahsoka sort of a conservative series. If you think about what conservatism is, because Hu Yang is actually still remains committed to the old principles of the Jedi Order. He actually thinks it's important that you have a Padawan and that you stick together. He thinks that it's important that you do certain things so you don't endanger civilians. He, and he, every time that Ahsoka wants to break these rules, he keeps reminding her, well, the Jedi didn't do this. And she's like, well, I'm not a Jedi. And he's like, but he doesn't ever stop reminding her. Right. And that this is actually the protocol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's the fact that he's always been right so far, like every time it not only is it funny, you know, for example, when he tells Sabine that she's the worst Jedi in the history of 500 years of Jedi. Right. But that he's always been right. It, like it, whenever he yeah. said you have to stick together and that's what led to their consequences when they didn't even follow that. Yep. That big protocol. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think to a certain extent, it's not, again, one of the beauties of Star Wars is that it plays with these old archetypes. It, it's unapologetically based on old archetypes. It's a space opera. Right. As, as George Lucas said, it's a space opera. It's about family. And it, it doesn't try to be sort of deconstructionist with these archetypes. It, it leans into them. And in that sense, it's a very conservative series. And I think Ahsoka does that better than a lot of the more recent content. It also highlights, even in the prequels, I guess, the breakdown of... Um, you see like the breakdown of their government whenever you start cutting corners yep. and like giving powers to to an authoritarian person, right? Like you like follow into that. And then I guess in um, in the you see the, the degradation of the Jedi Order, even what, what leads to like the, the Empire being able to take over as well. So I guess that in a way that Star Wars, I, not until right now I'm realizing like, oh yeah, there's a lot of these conservative principles that can be applied to that. Yeah, are you, are you saying that we're Jedi because we fight bureaucracy? Is that how it... Well, I'm saying that people are becoming more, um, well, I guess we see the corruption of the Jedi because they start becoming just another wing of the, of the state in the originals. And so there are, um, one thing that I do also like about Star Wars is that they're, um, it's kind of critical sometimes of the, the Jedi ways that have yeah. lost their traditions. I think the beauty of it, and I think this actually comes back to, you know, I think we've talked about this before when we were nerding out on this stuff, mm -hmm. but George Lucas, I believe... One of his parents was raised within the Methodist church and one of his parents was a Buddhist. And you sort of see this conflict when you think about the way the Jedi 
interact. And some of the redemption arcs are very deeply Christian, but he has this inherent um, distrust of accumulated power. And it's sort of this idea that like bureaucracy is corrupting of its own sake. And also that even someone with the best intentions when granted power becomes corrupted by that power over time. Right. And you see that all throughout Star Wars. And I think we, I think it's a, again, because Star Wars doesn't mind leaning into these archetypes. I think we can take those those archetypes and apply them to life is exactly what we see with government and government overreach. Right. Well, I love that we did get to apply some of the legal knowledge I, to this, too. I'm going to make it about suing bureaucrats at some point. You should, as yeah. you rightly should. So we talked about the things that we did like, the character development. Um, I think I also want to get into some of the areas where the show felt uh Fell a little short of what it yeah. should have done. Uh, the biggest thing for me, I think, was the pacing. So it was about maybe eight hours, well, plus, right, because they had a f the first one was a little bit longer. But yeah. you had that long, and I felt like not enough t stuff happened within that amount of time. So the pacing felt a little bit awkward, and it felt like they could have had another story arc within well, I think the amount did. of time. So I think that episodes one through five, I thought the pacing, I know you thought sometimes it was a little slow like in episode two, but I thought right. episodes one through five were, were very well done. And then it was almost like they ran out of time to get what they wanted. So it's almost like if you were writing on your last piece of notebook paper and then you start like, as you get it to the bottom- Super small, no spaces. Super small, <laughs> no spaces. Now you're all over in the margins. And I think that's what six, seven, eight sort of felt like. Right. Um, that they didn't have time to do the pacing right. So if you think about it, if the slowness in the front end made the back end, I think, a little bit more crammed. But I would just like more episodes, honestly. Yeah, I felt like a, either a nine or ten. Nine would have been, I guess, awkward. They just didn't want to have nine episodes. But it felt yeah. like it needed one more yeah. something in the middle to bridge stuff. Um, because I, part of one of the things that fell off was all the stuff that was happening with Hera over there just felt like it left was left empty versus leading to any real thing yeah. that's going to get impacted this specific season. I think it will impact the next season. But... That storyline, I think, fell fell off. Can we pause for a minute to talk yeah. about how cool the treatment of Harris' character is? That she's this like awesome pilot. She's very good at her job, but she's also very much a mom, right? Yes, yes. She's, she's very much a mom, and like she's always been. Even in Rebels, before she had her own kid, she was kind of a mom. Well, people call her online Mama Hera. Whenever yeah. I saw her and she came on screen, I think I verbally said, "Oh, it's Mama Hera." Yeah. And so she gets to be this like remarkable, strong, intricate character, but like a deeply feminine character. She has that solid mom energy. Mm -hmm. um, but th I don't think that takes away. I think it actually gives her her superpower. And I think it shows how she just tackles obstacles different. Yes. So whenever in the animated series, for example, she was very concerned with making sure that everyone was going to come back at the end of the day. Yeah. And so whenever she thought of things, she took sac like different sacrifices a little bit. She was a little bit more cautious. Um, yes with what she was doing, but that made her a good general. She cared about the people that were working for her. And I think that's part of what actually helped the rebels movement. Oh yeah. And there's that great line from Hu Yang. He says, you care about people. That's why they like you. Yep. Right. And I think that's true. I think that's why she's a really cool character, but I, I realized we hadn't talked about her yet. So yeah, like, no, she, and she did really well. And then watching her now, like both do her job while have a son, it also it kind of reminded me of just what my mom was raised like she worked and is an optometrist but then she definitely took time to make sure she had time for us and yeah. yeah no my mom was my mom was the same way she went back to work whenever i was um whenever i was in junior high and so for my whole junior high and high school life it was my mom was was going to work and coming home and, and taking care of us and making sure that she came to all my football games and stuff right. and solid busy mom energy 
Yeah, but it's um, it is a weird thing now how so many women feel like they need to sacrifice mm-hmm. family and stuff for the sake of themselves. When really, what makes Hera a better character is the fact that she has that that motherly instinct. Like her her femininity is what makes yeah her good. And I think mm-hmm. that speaks to something we touched on earlier: is that like the great female characters that you see in Rebels and the great female right. characters that you see in Ahsoka don't try to be a weird caricature of a dude in order to be powerful. Right. Right. Their superpowers are that their power comes from somewhere different. And I think that's really cool, which is it doesn't create this suspension of disbelief. It actually makes them a deeper, more understandable character that isn't just the caricature of a, of a man. I think earlier Disney films understood that really well. So the animated. Did you watch like the Disney animated stuff at all or like any of those earlier? I'm a, I'm a child of, of the 80s and 90s. So like I've seen. I've seen a lot of Disney flicks. Okay, um, but so like Mulan, for instance, did you yeah. ever watch the original one? Yes. Uh-huh. I didn't watch the new one. Did you watch I've that? I've not seen the new one. So um, I've, I've watched reviews and stuff of it, but what really worked in the original one for me was Mulan wasn't this great warrior who was like just automatically good at fighting. What she was was someone who said, I don't want my dad to go die in this. And I don't really have, I'm not the most strong person in the world, but I am brave and I'm going to go try. And she fails and fails, but what, um, what leads to her succeeding in the end is the fact that she's persistent. She is willing to um, sacrifice or like she's she's smart and yeah. she's able to use that to overcome the fact that she's not going to be able to physically overpower the Huns. Right. Um, yeah. But um, those are the things that end up letting her save her family and in the end of it, all yeah. of China. But I think that's what older Disney films understood and did really well. And then you contrast with stuff like what was it? Captain Marvel, the new She-Hulk stuff. Um, and then the newer, the Star Wars sequels, yeah. I think that they misunderstand what made women characters really good well, yeah. or like the heroine really good. Well, I think they misunderstand what makes any character really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, so Rey in the in the sequel trilogy, she immediately in the first episode beats Kylo Ren. Like Luke Skywalker didn't beat Darth Vader the first time they fought. He got his hand chopped off. Right. And, and she s- didn't leave scraped either. <laughs> yeah. And you see and you see that, you know, for example, in Ahsoka, Ahsoka does a much better job about this that, you know, Ahsoka doesn't overpower Balin's goal. She outsmarts him. You know, Sabine doesn't do the right thing the first time she gets a chance. She she as a matter of fact, the first time she fights anyone, she loses. And I think that's good character development. I I joke a lot about this and I've brought it up before. Um, have have you seen Rudy, the famous like football movie? I that, have. Like, I have a really hot take on why Rudy is a terrible film, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> a but, terrible story. But but the film that every dude like just de facto is supposed to love Rudy. Like mm-hmm. everyone's supposed to like this film. Um, Rudy sucks at football, right? <laughs> like that is like he's not good. If Rudy no. were, if Rudy were good at football, the whole story wouldn't make sense. The reason that he's an endearing character and that you actually care about what happens is because his endearing qualities are persistence and you know hope and faith and he has to overcome the fact that he sucks as an athlete right and so this idea that in order to be powerful you have to be the best at everything i think really takes away from the ability to make real good characters and um and to give characters that we actually care about and it also it says something it's weird like what it values it's saying that what's most valuable is to be the most physically strong and it undermines anything else like like you were saying like persistence or having virtue for example and that's yeah and i think that that's something that really makes a good hero 
a good hero. Yeah, fun fact. You know, the Rocky movie, the Rocky, the first one. The other I one, actually haven't seen the Rocky movies. Oh, the first one's actually decent as far as films go. Okay. The boxing scenes, they're awful. But, you know, <laughs> but the whole idea, people forget in the first Rocky film, Rocky loses. Spoilers. Mm. <laughs> like Rocky loses. He doesn't win. Like the whole movie, you know, in a classic 1970s movie style, like is this this sort of hero's journey where he he trains and he he remakes his life. But he still loses because he's not as talented as the other guy. That's why right. he was a an opponent, not a world champion. And so I think that like the inability to allow characters to be human. Right. Um, I think makes for bad characters, but that doesn't mean you can't allow characters to be good. So I think I think it's it's more important that your characters show virtue and virtue is, is shown through adversity. And when right. you take away that adversity from the character, you don't give them an opportunity to show virtue. And so I think that's sort of what's been lacking in a lot of the Disney content recently. Is the virtue. Yeah. And family values. Yes. And instead they're just saying, here's the perfect person. Let's watch them do cool cool things for an hour and a half yeah. instead of an actual storyline. Yeah, and they're doing cool things, but not necessarily virtuous ones. Yeah, and I think it's it's interesting seeing how this is actually now something that actresses are re realizing that these aren't actually interesting stories to play. So um, I want to read two different quotes from mm -hmm. two actresses who've commented on this recently. So Emily Blunt, do you know who she is? Yeah. So yeah, so did Mary Poppins. She's done a lot of stuff. She was in Oppenheimer recently, but mm -hmm. this was an IndieWire um, article. She... Um, they wrote, um, this is a quote from her. She said, it's the worst thing ever when you open a script and read the words strong female lead, Blunt told the, t uh, the Telegraph. That makes me roll my eyes. I'm already out. I'm bored. So she's done with that. And then um, Amelia Clark, who was actually in the solo film, and this yeah. was around the time when um, when she was in that, that movie, she said um, that she didn't like the phrase strong female women and thought that it was sexist. Um, and she says that it's a senseless, um, it's really senseless to say. Um, and she quoted saying, if it's not strong, what is it? Are you telling me there's another option? There's a weak option? You think a lead in a movie is going to be a weak woman? It just doesn't even bear having a conversation. And I think that's a really good point. Like the, why, I, I think it's also limiting what kind of female characters we're showing on screen. Well, I think it's, I do, I agree with you, but it also, it presupposes that allowing for failure means weakness right right i think that's a bad virtue to teach people um all of our heroes all, all of our people throughout history that have achieved anything great it's because they had to fail and fail and fail and through failure learn and that's like where virtue is tested and honed and becomes something really cool um and to say that our characters in order to be strong can't have frailty means to say that our characters can't be human which makes them boring it makes them robots and i can't think of any uh I take that back. So when we when we have enjoyed those characters in film, it's been tongue in cheek. So, for example, James Bond before the new series, but the old like Sean Connery version of James Bond. He wasn't supposed to be a realistic view of masculinity. It was supposed to be tongue in cheek funny how ridiculously over the top he was. Right. Right. That's why Austin. So everyone was in on the joke. Basically, Everyone was in on the joke. You kind of like roll your eyes and recognize that that's not a real character. Um, because if you tried to pass that off as a real character, which, by the way, is kind of my my grievance with the new Bond films, is when you try and pass that off as a real character, it it affects my suspension of disbelief. It becomes silly. I think he's a silly character and a boring character. Whereas whenever everyone's in on the joke, it's kind of fun because you'd realize he's not a real person. Right. And that makes him it makes him more understandable and a little bit less unbelievable. Yeah. Um, the I think the thing that 
um, bothers me about this is we slowly started seeing, um, I think these women become less and less realistic and something that you're actually able to connect to. And I think that for me, the thing that it reminds me of is a little bit about the uh, new gender ideology Mm -hmm. stuff. So um, whenever you blur the lines of what it is that makes women characters women, I think that that leads into some of the other stuff that you end up seeing. Or, um, yeah, I think it just blurs the lines societally of what what it what virtues are that women typically exhibit and and what vices they have. So going into Ahsoka, one of the things that I also noticed was that um, the vices that the women tend to display in the film are something that are more similar to reality. Um, so like for like some of the villains in it, so all of the the witches, I think that that's something that whenever these women are craving power, that that's the way that they're ex- exuding it. And there are even in real life people who try to do form these sorts of coven things. Actually, one of your uh, I think one of the clients that you had was hexed by a coven of witches. Oh my! God. The, yeah, don't do. You, did you hear about that sort of stuff at UNT? Oh yes, that's. Do you want right. to get background on that? I oh guess. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so just a slight so tangent. yeah, we rep, we did represent uh, the young conservatives of Texas at the University of of North Texas, and uh, their president at the time uh, was a was a female student. Um, and because she brought conservative speakers onto campus, and UNT, for those who don't know, is, is a left is a is a left of center campus. Well, and, they all are. Just saying, yeah. it's a campus. Yeah, just <laughs> saying, it. but not in that cool sort of like civil libertarian left. They're very progressive, right. um, And and vehemently progressive. And um, and so they were very mad at uh, the president of the Young Conservatives of Texas. And they, there was like a hex. Some of them put together a hex, but they also found her apartment and did a bunch of other things yeah. that were more scary than magic. But absolutely, there were people that had But to me, her. it's just funny watching, because I knew that that happened and that, which is weird to say that there's these witches in real life going after people. Yeah. But it's interesting watching that in Star Wars say like that this is like the way that evil is like permeates these, like the women in the story. And then you see men like Anakin Skywalker. I think that the way that he dealt with his... Um, like his emotions was through like brute strength. Through violence. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it mm-hmm. was directly through violence. Now, you're not going to trick me into saying that women are witches on this show. No, no. I'm just saying it's <laughs> interesting watching the vices that that are more typical. No. And it still shows that different range of the, the type of vice that you're going to fall into. But yeah, it, it manifests in different ways with right. different people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was it was just an interesting point that <laughs> reminded me of your clients. No. Yeah, we did. We did have clients that, that they did put a, a hex on her. Um, <laughs> Isn't that so weird that we're living in a world where we're like, oh, yeah, tell me about your hex or the hex on your. Yeah, I almost it's interesting. I almost forgot about it. That was we ended up having to uh, not turn over names of our clients in discovery in that case, because we wow. were there was a, a real danger that people would come after them. So I guess let's wrap this up just talking about the family values that you or what are the family values in Star Wars that that you'd like to continue to see in another stuff or another um, series that follow this one. Oh, well, so, you know, George Lucas was, you know, Dave Filoni, the guy who writes Ahsoka. This is me nerding out again. Like, Please do. That's so, the, so why Dave, I'm inviting so you So Dave on. Filoni was originally sort of the heir apparent to George Lucas. Right. He was the one who did all of the animated Clone Wars stuff with George Lucas. He did, he wrote Rebels. And he said that George Lucas always said that Star Wars was a story about family. And uh, it was a story about family and it's a story about redemption. And I think that both of those values that you see throughout that forgiveness you're already seeing in Ahsoka, the ability to your family and you bring them back and you bring them back and you redeem them without cost, you know, 70 times seven, you know, as mm-hmm. Jesus says in, in the in the gospels, you know, that you forgive almost without ceasing. Um, and I love to see those values. I love to see the values of perseverance and courage that when you fail, that that's not the end, that you keep moving forward. 
Uh, I love the idea that just a, people think they can dabble in evil. But if you dabble just a little bit in evil, it corrupts, even right. if you do it. For, or that, oh, I'm doing this for the right reason. There's a lot. There's so much of that that we see, for example, in government. I could go on forever. There's never been a government program that somebody didn't think was a good for a good reason, regardless of the carnage that it causes. Um, and then also just something that I've always thought was beautiful in Star Wars is the way they do redemption. Um, you know, people talk about, you know, Darth Vader when Darth Vader uh, sacrifices himself for, him, for his son. He dies. It, that the, the reason that the third episode is Return of the Jedi is because he dies Anakin Skywalker. Right. That he's fully redeemed. And you see that even with Ahsoka now now coming back and as we joke being Ahsoka, Ahsoka the, the White. White. Mm -hmm. Right. But she's immediately like as soon as she wakes up, she's redeemed. Um, and that doesn't mean there's not consequences for the bad choices. Right. Anakin um, still dies at the end. Anakin still dies at the end. And he dies this mutilated form of himself. But he at least dies Anakin Skywalker. Right. And I think this idea that you can always come home, that it's never too late to do the right thing. Those are important values. And I think you have a really good message for for young people as well. What is it that that quote that you like saying to to younger people about what they how they should live their lives? Oh, do good and be good. Right. I think that's good a good, good place to leave it right there. I'm so glad we actually got to talk about this Ahsoka series and and what that means and how we can connect that back to our own <laughs> government today. So thank you so much for joining me, Chance. Yeah, and everyone else will be seeing you next Friday.